You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Curtain up, theater people, and welcome to your program is your ticket, coming to you from Midtown Manhattan, right in the middle of Broadway. My name is Sean Chandler, and I'll be your host. Your program is your ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As many of you know, your program is your ticket is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater and smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. I love theater and see as much as I can wherever I go. During the travels of the production of My Husband and My Play at The Flash, I've met many wonderful people from all over the world in the theater community, and it is my honor to bring them on as guests to the show. Tonight's guests are the dynamic, award-winning New York neo-futurists dedicated to creating theater that is a fusion of sport, poetry, and living newspaper. I love that phrase. That's straight off of their website, and it's, I, I'm going to have to ask about that later on. They embrace those unreached or unmoved by a conventional theater, inspiring them to thought, feeling, and action. And they do so not just here in New York City, but also in Chicago and San Francisco. Now, before I bring on these incredible artists, I thought I'd give a little ode to the holidays. This is, I'm just going to consider this my holiday show because it's December 12th, so there you go. And give you some information on the current local production of a Christmas classic, George Balanchine's The Nutcracker. Now, I'm only focusing on this particular production as the Nutcracker Ballet happens to be the most often produced ballet overall. Can you believe that? Uh, well, I can't believe it. Of course we can believe that. Okay, so the Nutcracker was composed in 1891 by Tchaikovsky, but it wasn't until 1944 that the San Francisco Ballet performed the first production of the ballet in America. Now, George Balanchine's New York City Ballet production was first performed in February of 1954, which then began the tradition of performance during the Christmas season. Now, for those of you not familiar with it, I'll just give you a little synopsis of the story. Um, E.T.A. Hoffman wrote the original story called The Nutcracker and the Mouse King. The German author wrote the story in 1816 of how a young traditional Christmas toy known as the Nutcracker comes alive and takes away a woman, actually she's more of a girl, as Clara, to a magical kingdom of dolls after defeating an evil mouse king in battle. So there you go. Now here's some fun facts that are behind the scenes trivia of the New York City Ballet production. Um, it, a total of 57 people worked backstage to coordinate scenery, lighting, and costumes. Between 600 and 700 lighting instruments are used in the stage lighting for the production. Most of the scenery for the production is painted fabric, 
That's great. That probably keeps costs down. Um, a, a violin solo used to change scenery in Act One is taken from another Tchaikovsky ballet score, and that's the Sleeping Beauty, which I saw a couple years ago in LA, and it was that's a really really good show as well. Um, this the giant Christmas tree that is featured in the show grows to a height of forty one feet on the stage and weighs a ton. Literally, I'm not just saying it's, it, it weighs a ton. It actually weighs a ton. Um, there are 62 musicians in the orchestra. That's a lot. And approximately 50 pounds of paper confetti fall on the stage to create the snowstorm for every single performance. It's a lot of confetti. In each performance, 150 costumes appear on stage. The Sugar Plum Fairy's tutu contains seven layers of tulle. That's why it's like always sticking straight out, which is probably great because she twirls a lot. The Dewdrops costume is embellished with 65 crystals. The metal frame skirt of Mother Ginger weighs 40 pounds, and each Candy King costume contains 144 jingle bells. Festive. Uh, the bodices of the dresses worn by the women in the hot chocolate dance are decorated, and this is really cool, with small cameo pictures of the New York City ballet founders Lincoln, Christine, Christine, I'm sorry, I don't, no, I, I'm sorry, Lincoln, I hope I'm not mispronouncing it, but I'm going to say it's Christine or Christine. And George Balanchine. So that's cool. There's like little cameos of pictures on their dresses, and that's a nice little ode to uh, those two artists. Excellent. Um, the Nutcracker is so often performed that Ovation TV uh, often produces a Battle of the Nutcrackers event. Now, this is a, a TV show uh, pitting various different productions in competition to be voted on by viewers. And uh, I remember watching this, I think it was like 2014. It's really cool. You vote, you see like four or five nutcrackers and then you, you just vote. So there you go. If you'd like to see the New York City Balanchine production of The Nutcracker, please visit nycballet.com or look up a local production within your proximity and see the show in your area. It's a wonderful story and very, very Christmassy. It's a fun thing to do. And I'm sure those theaters would love to have your support. So. There we go. Little, you know, information about the Nutcracker. Okay, now let's switch gears to a very different style of theater and bring on our guests. Folks, please welcome to the show the incredible New York Neo Futurists. Hi, Neo Futurists, and welcome to your program as your ticket. Hey, hey, hey what's up? Hey, yeah, Hi. good to be here. <laughs> I am so glad to have you on the show. Um, I actually met, uh, well, I met one person that's here, Rob, who you'll who will introduce uh, himself. And while I was interviewing people after you guys, after the New York Innovative Theater Awards, and you guys won an award at that particular award ceremony. Yes, we did. Tell us what the award was. Yeah, we won uh, for our show that we started doing this season called The Infinite Wrench. Mm -hmm. And we were uh, honored to be the outstanding performance, performing arts we won the outstanding performance <laughs> art production. That's so cool. Yeah. That's great. It, and you guys were super excited and super nice. To we meet. were super surprised, and it was so awesome to have uh, such a friendly interviewer as yourself, Sean. Oh, thank you, God. I try. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was one of those moments, too, where we were taken aback, and uh, Yoshi, they were there as well. Yoshi's, Yoshi's sitting here with us, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Catherine, who uh, is suffering from uh, the cold that the company's passing around. Oh, uh, so Catherine. her voice is even more taxed than mine. And uh, there was just the three of us there to kind of represent the team and uh, and 
it takes a lot more than three people to do all the great things that we're uh, doing currently and about to do. Indeed. Yeah. There is so much information about your uh, your theater organization, and I can't wait to, to sort of suss it all out and let everyone know what it is you do. So before we get started, why don't we go around the table? We'll start with you, Rob, sure. and just, just tell me your name and what you do. Hey, I am Rob Neal, and I am one of the founding ensemble members of the New York Neo-Futurists. And I have been doing neo-futurism since 1995. Wow. There are five, five founding members, right? Uh, and there are five in the 95 version, and then there were 10 in the 2004 version. And they were related, because both of them came out of Chicago, where we also do the show. Right. And that, that's been going on since 1988. Uh, but they were very uh, different incarnations of... Uh, the the attempt to bring neo-futurism to New York. But both had Rob. But both had Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, that's amazing. Okay. Uh, T? Um, hey, uh, I'm T. Thompson. I am a new ensemble member. Um, as of April, I joined the company and I became official a month ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And I am Connor Sampson, and I've been an ensemble member since 2014. Yeah. Okay. And, and I'm... Yoshi Kuroi, and I'm the managing director, and I've been with the NEO since 2012, I think, is when I started interning. <laughs> wow. And you were there as well. It was so nice to interview you as well. Mm-hmm. Thank I mean, you. I, again, I just want to thank you for being really cool with me and so nice with me, and, and uh, very, very nice people. Even my husband was like, they're so nice. <laughs> I love them. They're so nice. Oh, oh, that's wow. great. You, get, you gave us mints. That's well, nice. yeah. <laughs> to my heart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I brought you more than I have in front of It's yours. <laughs> um, now, uh, tell us a little history sure. of uh, neo-futurists overall. Oh, Rob, you take this one. Okay, so, <laughs> so in 1988, uh, Greg Allen and a crew of um, neo-futurist artists kind of started uh, doing neo-futurism in Chicago, uh, doing a show called Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind, and they kept doing that, and people would come in and out of the ensemble, and eventually they sent the first incarnation of New York Neo-Futurists out in in, uh, 95, and we did that for about three years. There were only uh, five of us. We added an ensemble member um, in, like, the second year, uh, and then we all kind of scattered to the winds. Um, most uh, famously, uh, Greg Cotis and Anne Halliday. Um, uh, Greg Cotis was part of the Urinetown team that made Urinetown the musical. Uh, and and Anne Halliday started writing books, and they had a family and all that, and Spencer Caden went off and did a lot of comedy, and, uh, and Bill Coley's did a lot of commercials, and we all kind of... I did regional theater and commercials, and we all kind of did our own thing. So there really wasn't anybody to maintain the, uh, the flow of, of plays that are required by doing a weekly show that uh, always changes. And then uh, we started back up uh, in 2004 out in Brooklyn and quickly moved back to Manhattan and have been doing it ever since in New York. Chicago has uh, been doing it since 88 and San Francisco has been doing it since 2000 12, 2013, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. there are now three full-fledged neo-futurist companies kind of across the country. And to date, uh, in New York, since 2004, we've created almost 5,000 plays. 
most of which are very short. Wow. <laughs> and we've had, and we've had uh, a variety of ensemble members, not only that we've auditioned and brought in uh, uh, in New York, but also people from San Francisco and Chicago have come in and done the show, and we've sent people to the other companies. So we have a, a real uh, healthy exchange between the three ensembles. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We've even had one visiting Neo from Canada. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, there's really? Les Neos that it was an outpost in Montreal. Or Les Neos. Maybe, I don't know where you put it. <laughs> I don't know where you put it. Neo. Now, it, from what I could deduce in doing my research, it, it feels like if you could give us an explanation of the infinite wrench, that is a very strong example of what it is you do on stage. Mm, yeah. sure, so sure. If, if someone could give me um, or, or give our audiences an explanation of that show or that theater event. Yeah, we started doing the Infinite Wrench at the beginning of uh, this year, and that's what we won the award for. Right. And Connor, why don't you tell folks what we do in the Infinite Wrench? Well, the Infinite Wrench uh, is 30 plays performed, uh, ho- oh, ideally 30 plays performed in under an hour. That is, uh, and the audience uh, in the house gets to choose the order of plays that happen. And all of the plays uh, fall under these artistic rules that we kind of make art by, which are uh, can be boiled down to we are who we are, we are where we are, we are doing what we're doing, and the time is now, which basically means uh, we don't pretend things. We'll always be ourselves on stage. The stories we're telling are true. Uh, the actions are real actions. Uh, yeah. And so that's neo-futurism in a Twitter version nutshell. <laughs> okay, so there is there is not a separation. Like when I, when I write, because uh, I'm a writer as well, but when I'm writing a character, it's typically not me. Mm-hmm. But you're all applying yourselves to the material that you're presenting to the audience. Is, is, yeah. Am I we're, deducing that correctly? Yeah, we're basically just writing from our own experience, right? I mean, that's that's who we know, mm-hmm. right? So we basically, our job is to write two-minute plays or less, right. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> that uh, distill uh, something that we're thinking about, perhaps, like um, something that's uh, uh, current in our political situation sure. or uh, something that happened to us on the way to the gym. You know, like we distill them down into short little plays about our experience. Yeah, the rules at first may seem limiting, but within uh, that that focus, there is almost an infinite scope of what you can do. Mm. And so it allows for us to not only quickly uh, react to current events, uh, social and political uh, elements of what's happening in the world, uh, pop culture as well, but also to kind of reflect on things that have happened uh, in our lives through some storytelling. We can, there's there's a whole variety of plays that fall in our scope once we go, okay, we're neo-futurists, how are we going to do that? So there still are going to be songs, there's still going to be some dancing, there's going to be yeah. uh, puppetry, there's going to be uh, dialogue, there's going to be you know this this lively variety that you get each night, that it's and it's always changing. Right. So because the members are always changing, so and the, the plays, and are, the plays are yeah. always changing. So you have all of these ever-changing 
factors that will make it different every time. So we have a thing that we say is, well, if you've seen the show once, you've seen, seen the, the show, show once. once. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Right? The structure, usually similar. Yes. The plays, <laughs> the plays and the order, always different. Well, sure. Now, you you have in your mission statement here that the theater is that is a fusion of sport, poetry, and living newspaper, which I mentioned in my introduction. Talk about the concept of living newspaper. Sure. I mean, that's partly that what we're doing on stage often is reacting immediately to what has been happening that week or even that day. Like we uh, have the ability to craft pieces that are in direct response to things that are happening that day. And the fact that it's it's like a newspaper, there's there's a ephemeral quality to it and that, you know, you go on the next day, there's a new, new newspaper and that we're constantly updating and changing what we're talking about according to the news cycle. Right. So with, do you often um, involve the audience in your show? <laughs> yeah, all the time. Inter- um, interactive with them? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the play. Uh, we don't acknowledge the fourth wall at all. Okay. Um, we acknowledge the fact that there is however many bodies in the audience watching us at all times, that we are performing in the theater, that this is a performance space in New York City, 85 East 4th Street, the Crane Theater, uh, we're not going to pretend anything else. And so, yeah, some plays will bring audience members on stage. We'll talk to them. Sometimes we'll just talk to the whole house. Uh, yeah, any number of crazy audience yeah, I mean, interactions. Im- immediately you're asked to order the plays mm-hmm. in the order you want. Now, it's not necessarily going to be the order that one audience member wants, but audience members between each play are asked to participate just at the get-go. Right. And then from that point on, there are moments where the play may be all about them. Wow. Now, I've interviewed... Or us. Both of you, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Now, I've interviewed uh, other theater groups where they work a lot with audience interaction. And they actually include that as sort of part of their rehearsal and training. Um, do, Do you do that as well? You just, do you do like take the temperature of the audience or people of the audience and see how comfortable you feel they're, they are in recepting to or receptive to what you're doing? Or is it just like... We cr- we, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line. I think there are a variety of ways that you can engage the audience and activate them. Mm-hmm. And what we try to do is create a safe space. So we're, a majority of the time, the idea is not to pick on somebody. It's to give them the opportunity to be a part of it. Right. And yeah, you get people that don't want to. Right. And part of the reason, a lot of times people think that our show is a lot of improv. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is because we're play, playing ourselves. And the other reason is because we will get the audience involved and you only have an idea of what they may do, <laughs> but they, they often will do a lot of other things that you didn't anticipate. And so you have to be ready to deal with fire trucks going up the street, right? Like it's happening right now. Like there's a fire truck going up the street. You can't like, who knew that that was going to happen? Well, we are in a place that's near a hospital. So there are a lot of emergency vehicles that come by, but like, so you know that that's going to happen and you have to deal with whatever kind of is thrown at you. Um, so if audience wise or fire truck wise, so if you're in the middle of one of your pieces, one of your two minute pieces and a fire truck goes by, do you have, do you just, do you acknowledge that? I mean, how does that work? I mean, if you want to, if it works with what you've written. I think in that specific instance, that's a little bit mundane for a Manhattan theater 
performance, but when something unexpected happens, we often will call attention to it. It will become part of the show because it's part of what happened. Uh, uh, to, to touch on what Rob said about a lot of people uh, confusing neofuturism with improv, I think a really important distinction is that every neofuturist play is scripted, even the parts that are being said by an audience member. That neo who wrote that play has prepared for all of the eventualities of here are all the positive things that the audience member might say. Here are all the negative answers the audience member might Mm -hmm. give. And depending on that, the play will go in this direction or in that direction. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Having that choose your own adventure in a sense, you know, I mean, you're, you're open to anything that can happen in the room because we are all in the room together. We're sharing this experience together, but you know, you've, you've scripted it out. You are hopefully anticipating all of the, uh, options that could possibly go wrong and then you know as Rob said inevitably there's something that you've never even imagined and it will happen right. <laughs> you know and you just roll with it because that's what we do yeah because a lot of times the funniest stuff is when people don't do anything and exactly. they just are there and are just themselves mm-hmm. instead of trying to all of a sudden think oh I need to do I need to perform right. I, I'm on the but in the theater we you know blur the lines between audience and performer right so Therefore, hopefully, they see that we're being ourselves, then they will be themselves. Wow. Well, I know that sometimes when I go to a show where they're, they break the fourth wall, mm-hmm. I, who go to, I go to a lot of theater. Mm-hmm. I get a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. with it, um, but I, I know that there have been performers who have sensed that and backed off of me yeah. a little bit. Because um, I, I mean... You just must know because I always get picked. I'm always the person <laughs> and brought up on stage, and I, 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 I try to be. I try to be cool with it. So um, I, I always like to to get your take, right? Um, when you're when you're working with the audience on that, uh, so that the, uh, the audiences that are listening to the show understand that, and they know that when they're going in to see your show, and and, and so we appreciate that. We, the audience, appreciate that. And thanks. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> Thank one of the, you. One of the things. One of the things that we teach and that we try to practice um, as neo futurists is that you have permission to tell your story. Mm. Sure. And so, if we're coming from that place and we give an audience member that permission, then you know your story. Mm-hmm. You sometimes just need permission to activate it. And if your story is you want to stay in your seat, we'll let you. We'll let you. We'll let you stay in your seat. If that's your story, if that's like how you want to experience this show, we're not going to force anyone on the stage. Oh, sure. I know. Yeah. You know? Um, And I think it all sounds complicated with bringing uh, an unknown factor to the stage, which is an audience member in essence, sounds complicated, but it's not that complicated when we're playing ourselves because we just have... It's like having a conversation with anyone. It's just in front of a few people. <laughs> well, it sounds like you you all practice a lot of control. You're always in control when you're up there. Oh, yeah. And I, 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 does that come from the fact that you uh, you actually have written the piece out mm. and and you have, as you said, brainstormed it for any possibility. So when you and, and of course you're performers and performers, uh, you know they're they're confident when they're on stage for the most part. Is 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 that why you feel like you're in control up there because you have done so much preparation on it, mm-hmm. as opposed to improv where it's just like this. 
you know. I feel like the control comes from, like, we attempt control, but we embrace the chaos. chaos. <laughs> so when, you, when you're going into something, knowing that, uh, well, we embrace chaos and we also embrace failure, right? We acknowledge that plays and instances and things that we're working on have the ability to fail. You're just watching, and watching people fail can be just as entertaining as watching people succeed. Mm. Indeed, um, yes. <laughs> and so once, once you allow yourself to embrace the fact that you can fail and you embrace the chaos, and then you... You, you really don't need a safety harness. Yeah. You, just, you just do it. Right. And you're not on your own. I yeah. mean, we're all yeah, in this we're together. All together yeah. Right? And, and it's an experiment to see what you can do and, and what you can discover, so especially when you're involving the audience. It's like, you know, th- there's a, an old Neo Futures play called Secret Dance where an audience member is brought up and they have to figure out the dance that's happening. They, they, have, they have not learned the choreography and it, there's a lot of repetition and a lot of clues but, and, and that's maybe an extreme but, yeah. but, but like it still works no matter kind of what they do wow. well, there's, there's also a term we use called the impossible task yeah. uh, which is sort of builds failure into its own success when a Neo attempts to do something that isn't possible for them to do and the failure at the task is part of the plan mm-hmm. is part of the play and is in fact success because it was intended mm-hmm. wow yeah. fascinating <laughs> it's, it really is it's, I mean, it's, it's like an improv too where you, you there are no mistakes they're only gifts right like whatever happens wait say if, that again there are no mistakes they're only gifts that's okay I R- love that right because because right. um, a mistake has a negative connotation. Whereas if something happens that's different, you're like, oh, we will respond to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Yes. And. I, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And there's a, that's that's part of what we do, you know? There like, are drunk Santas in the audience. There are. Oh. That's. Talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are, there are people that don't understand the rules and didn't pay attention to anything that we talked about. And then, you know, maybe they're not going to last the whole show. Maybe they walk out. And maybe people come in late. And that, you know, there's, there's a having... You know, we, as, as Connor said, we embrace this chaos and having a certain uh, calmness or being okay with that allows you to, to adapt and flow and be fluid in the show. Because the other thing is, we're all, we're all in the room and it's going to be over in an hour, you know? Like, yeah. So, did you actually have a, an audience full of drunk Santas at one time? Full. Oh no, not, never fall, never fall. But uh, SantaCon sometimes falls on, uh, like it did on show nights. I was going to say so, SantaCon. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I am and there's a bar upstairs from yeah. the theater, so we <laughs> right. get drunk people stomping down the stairs that you can hear all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, so are are all of you on stage for the entire hour, and it's just like okay, tag, you're you're in now. Uh, well, I mean, our ensemble is uh, a variety of people, and so there only usually are uh, five to seven of us in any one show. Um, and but we're all visible. No, nobody's going off and hiding or waiting in the wings for their entrance. You, well, unless you have to make an entrance, but that's usually only a you know you're off for a couple minutes or whatever. So you need to wipe all the whipped cream that just oh. got poured on your head. Yeah, yeah. Head. things like that on or, the floor. Yeah, yeah. What? Did that? What did that actually happen? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. We make messes. It's we. Messy. I mean, uh, as I say, construction and destruction hmm. are interesting things to watch on stage. Right, so sometimes we destroy cans of shaving cream or whipped cream, or sometimes we, you know, empty boxes of cereal onto the floor, and sometimes we, you know, build a, a beautiful little piece of clay sculpture. I don't, you know, it, it varies depending on what the play is about, and and 
in that, what we're doing when we're telling stories or having these moments that are really happening, we try to have tasks and things that are really happening, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're really breaking a you know piece of ceramics, you're really breaking that. If you're if you're really drinking a bottle of whiskey, you're really drinking the bottle of whiskey. Right, like that, those things really happen because what we try to do is have task-based theater where we're not pretending. And when you have that, it's also fascinating to watch because there's you can't fake that. Mm-hmm. You, you can't you can't fake you know destroying a, a package of ramen noodles yeah. <laughs> in front of the audience. Well, there's there's an Im- immediate connection between. The performer and what the performer is doing because it's. I mean, you're not. It, typically, when you're when you're acting, you're working on creating that connection in in your mind, so mm-hmm. it looks real and feels authentic. But if you've made that choice to do that and you're doing it like uh, up there for real, mm-hmm. then um, it, it, the authenticity is there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What what Yoshi was talking about about. Uh, you know, impossible tasks and, and having failure be a part that's acceptable. Uh, the, you know, there are a lot of things that we try where it is uh, about going to the point of exhaustion. And and not always are those elements of the show, but there are times where, you know, throwing yourself against a wall to make a point, you know, doing push-ups until you can't do push-ups anymore, uh, you know, uh, uh, running in a circle. As, as You know, there's there are some of those plays that we've created in, in, in the pantheon of plays that we've created that have an endurance element to them that you that you it's just you watch someone get pushed to that limit. And that's there's the sport, right? There's the right. there's the thing where you're like, wow, this is really really going on and I don't know what's going to happen and I don't think that person does either. <laughs> and the stakes are real, right? Yeah. The when when we break, which we will break from the play, but we never break character because we can't break from ourselves. <clears throat> but uh, if, say for instance, a play is talking about uh, <clears throat> a drought in California and we are tossing a water balloon into the audience, there's a chance that that audience member is going to get wet. And those stakes are real. And, and, and so pairing these tasks with content and creating real stakes in a room, I think is uh, in- captivating, yeah, incredibly really engaging. Yeah, yeah, it's so engaging. watchable. Yeah, and and you know you look. Neo futurism comes from futurism, among other things. Yeah, right. And the futurists had a lot of things that were not necessarily good things. The fascism, <laughs> the misogyny, and we, yeah. we try to leave that behind uh, yeah. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they but they embrace something called simultaneity, mm-hmm. uh, where you put a lot of different things happening at once and and see the theatricality in that. Mm. And a lot of times that's what we'll do is we'll we'll kind of pair a bunch of things together and allow the audience to tell the story or make, do the heavy lifting. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm, my mind is blown at, <laughs> at, at the, the amount of the layers that, that you guys, uh, that you constantly at... <laughs> It feels like you constantly add on it. Like I'm going to walk in there as an audience member, and I'm thinking, okay, they're going to they're going to do their 32 minute plays, and and um, it's just going to be you know, and then there's it just 
it becomes so interactive mm-hmm. and, then, and real. Yeah, and then you add different bodies, you know, different, like there are people of color, there are women, there are queer people, there are, you know, all of these different types of people that are coming from all of these different types of experiences. And then you put them in a room together to make plays. Like, I mean, can you can imagine, yes, there are levels, <laughs> so many levels <laughs> to that shit. And it's the ability to awesome. have the incubate all these different voices and yeah. have them collaborate and have them inform and, and and put their stories on stage mm-hmm. and it's have so the ability to constantly delve into different things and experiment in different areas and be inspired by not only the work that we're creating ourselves, but going out in the world and bringing that back. Mm-hmm. Seeing other things and bringing that into our work. If you not just... Sorry, if you can't tell, we have to explain our show a lot, so we're used to talking about it. <laughs> I feel like I need a whole other episode. <laughs> I mean, um, now, now you're doing work that has themes that are of the moment, mm-hmm. like yeah. of the moment of the day. Yeah. Um, are, are are there any particular messages and themes that speak strongly to you in in, in the work that you create for your show? I mean, or is it just everything? No holds barred. It's all on the table. Everything's fair game. Yeah. I, we, I mean, we generally, in terms of the, when we're curating the menu, the, thir- the, the list of 30 plays uh, for each weekend, we generally look for certain things so that it has... I'm sorry. Curating the menu. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that we're just going to drop that in there? Is oh, that sorry. the phrase that, that you guys is that what you is that what you call oh. developing the show? Well, uh, yeah. for the week. That's a yes. for the week. That's so we incredible. we call the thirty plays our menu, uh-huh. and we hand the audience the menu for them to choose the order. And so when we're looking at a menu as a whole in any given week, we're looking to make sure that it has variety, right? So there are plays. There are plays that are covering uh, what's current, what's living right now, living newspaper, but we're also looking for music, we're looking for dance, we're looking for spectacle, we're looking for uh, dialogue. We're comedy, for gravitas. Risk, comedy, gravitas. Mm. So we're looking for balance, right? So you'll see a play, a, a, a simulated chart, which is a title <laughs> of a play, but you'll also see like gorgeous poetry, mm. and it'll often come back to back. <laughs> and so it's always kind of like... The audiences sometimes don't know how to react, right? If we if the first four plays that are called are comedy, and then all of a sudden a neo futurist comes out and delivers an incredibly personal story, sometimes it kind of really shocks uh, the audience, who especially those who came thinking it was an improv comedy show. Yeah. <laughs> and and the plays are in different order every time, so you yeah. never know what the Residual is of the plays that came before mm-hmm. the play that's about to happen, right? Like so, you you can't you can't plan for that. You just right. have to accept that. And yeah. so, the audience may t- totally have been just devastated by a play, and then all of a sudden, it's a bunch of people clowning and and you know throwing <laughs> throwing pies around. You know, like uh, that is perfectly valid. And and then you see the juxtaposition of that and how that can be interesting and and affect an audience a, a mentor of mine in this company once told me that every single balanced menu should have at least one play in it that shocks or surprises mm. each audience member in every audience mm. that wow. everyone seeing the show should have at least one play that just totally catches them off guard 
That's a tall order. It is. And, yeah. and, it's, it really is. and, and again, we don't always achieve the, the order. Really? Uh, we don't always finish the show either because yeah. it's a race against That's time. But, you tr- but, but you're trying. You're, you're attempting. And, trying is beautiful. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's, it's so cool. Now, does, does the audience, do they pick certain shows as... Or certain plays as priority over others based upon title. sort of what's is it? T- I was going to say titles. Whatever's Purely happening title. in the news. That's all they've got. They've, they've only got, got titles. titles. Yeah. So they have to guess by the title if that's what they want to see next. We actually had a play earlier this year uh, whose title changed every week because the objective of the play was to get the audience to call it as early in the show as possible. Mm-hmm. So each week a different neo would give that same play a new title to see if they could get it called in the show earlier by the audience. Uh, and then once the play was called, they would explain the rules of that game and then notate what score they got that <laughs> night. And then the rest of the show would go on. So did you, were you fooling the audience? Did you bring the audience in on the game? You were doing on the game. Yeah, uh, totally. What you were doing? Yeah. Not, not until after they called the play, but right. once the play was called and then we, I mean the show, uh, Definitely warrants repeat viewing, so uh, I'll just plug that. And, <laughs> and so, pe- some people would come back, and you know, th- some people come back and want to see certain plays, and they will call for those plays yeah. early. Um, and for you know, and this this weekend and last weekend is our best of show for the year, so uh, people will come to see certain plays and know those plays. Not everybody knows that it's best of, but some people will come specifically because we've curated, unlike the regular weeks in the, in the year, we've curated these two weekends, these two menus from what's gone before. Otherwise, we don't recycle plays throughout the year. We create new ones all along the year. Once they're gone, they're gone. Wow. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to have to... We're running out of time. I'm going to have to wrap things up uh, here, but... Can I come back and talk a little bit more with you on on all of this? Because you I have bet. so Absolutely. many Absolutely. more questions. <laughs> I know that I know that you. I mean, I, I really I, I want to see the show and then come back. Yeah, yeah. We should talk um, afterwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, just just so I can I can because I at this point I, I I think I know what to expect. <laughs> I think so. But it's it just sounds like you so should. What we should plot. do is we should figure out a night where you can see the show and then we talk right after the show. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's how I interview our interns whenever I can. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. Talking yeah. about the show we both just saw. Yeah, yeah. Are, are sometimes are they like I, I don't know what to say? I'm speechless. Um, or are they usually like super jazzed? Usually or? it depends on whether they've ever seen the show before. Right. Oh, oh, that's I see. Uh, if it's if it's, it's their shocking. first time, they're usually just like completely flabbergasted, <laughs> and I kind of have to like coax them back to reality and like talking about their own thoughts and then getting into their work experience and that sort of thing. Um, but if, if they're, if they're a fan of ours already and they're applying cause they already know the company, then, you know, we'll talk about how the show we just saw compared to the shows they've seen previously. And if they've seen any plays multiple times, how those plays evolved over their multiple performances. Wow. That's, that, that is just so cool. Because <laughs> my mind is blown just, you know, done, having done the research and discussing it with you. It's, 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 it's great. I feel like you're doing something that nobody else is doing. And that is, that's great in itself. Thanks. It's, Thank you. It, 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 you know, there, there are other theaters out there doing time-based 
theater. There are other uh, theaters that are doing short plays and festivals and things like that. Uh, I, I don't think there are other theater companies besides other neo-futurist theater companies uh, that are sister companies in Chicago and San Francisco who are creating uh, this much work in this way that is uh, incubating so many different artists and uh, talking about so many different issues. Wow. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, okay. Now, I'm, I'm going to play a game with you guys. Oh, it's game okay. time. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to try and, and, and trip you up a little bit here. But before I do, can you give everyone your social media information and tell us about uh, any any upcoming uh, events? I know you have yeah. your best of. So yeah, we have we have uh, a best of 2017 week two. Uh, Thirteen neo futurists on stage. I think it's the most that we have in a show this year. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, and uh, that is coming up this Friday and Saturday, and then we take two weeks off. Y'all take a <laughs> breath. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> only two weeks of the oh, year. Only two weeks of the year, and then and then we reopen the first weekend in January, and it's the Infinite Wrench for the next fifty weeks um, with some specialty shows thrown in. Uh, the first one will be. Can speak to that. Oh, yes, the first one will be the Blackest Wrench, which is very exciting for the company because we, this will be the first time that we've had this many people of color in order to do uh, a full cast of uh, of people of color. So we're really excited about the Blackest Wrench. That's in uh, February. February. Black History Month, baby. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Cool. And, and then we have uh, Smash the Patriarchy in March. In March, uh, this is the third year uh, of our annual All Ladies Show. Uh, all work written by our lady neo-futurists, uh, sometimes about their experiences as women and sometimes about other stuff, but <laughs> all by our glorious army of neo-ladies. And you say yeah. it's your third year that you've done yes. this? Yes. Okay, wow. So our and third Smash the Patriarch. And then in, yeah, in, in, in June, in June, we have uh, our another specialty show, which is our Pride edition, which is our for all of the LGBTQI uh, uh, neo-futurists and allies, uh, and we do queer-themed plays. And that's all uh, uh, variations on the Infinite Wrench, especially uh, shows. And then in uh, April into May, uh, there's a show that I'm uh, creating called Wind-Up Variations, which will be also in the Crane Theater, 85 East 4th Street, and it will be happening before our shows at the 8 o'clock slot. And that is a new exploration of neo-futurism uh, dealing with tiny wind-ups and performers and the world. Yeah. And wow. if you're super, super uh, interested and uh, about what's happening, we also teach workshops. And we have one workshop coming up in January. It's our level one, so it is for uh, beginners um, to kind of delve into the world of neo-futurism. 
Um, Rob, do you have those dates on hand? Uh, it's January 13th. January 13th, 13th, 13th 20th, 20th, and 22nd. Thank you. Yeah, so you can find all the information that we just talked about at nynf.org. We also have a Facebook page for New York Neo-Futurists. We're also on Instagram, uh, New York Neo-Futurists, and Twitter. And uh, we're out there and creating content and elements that we put out, and we're pretty regular. Uh, You can also join our mailing list that we send out every other week, information about all the crazy and amazing things that Neo-Futurists are doing. We even have a Tumblr, if that's your speed. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Sometimes we Snapchat. You know, there are times when I think, I am so busy. And then I interview a group like yours. (laughs) And it's like, you you have a business plan that goes into June. That's that's great. I'm... Don't take this in a condescending way, but I'm really proud of you guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. So, um, all right. So now I'm so excited about, about interviewing you and it being around Christmas because I want to give you a chance to take a Christmas quiz. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, earlier I brought in some cookies from Schmackeries yeah. for, for the group for your rehearsal, which is happening right after this. Thank you. But I have a special treat from Schmackeries here for the winner. Okay. Okay. Whoa. Now, I, I talked earlier about the number one ballet that's performed mm-hmm. all, all the time. It's a nutcracker, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Aside from Shakespeare plays... What do you think is the number one actual play that's performed? Um, I know. Do we buzz in? Yeah. Do we buzz in? No, 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 no. That's, not a, that's not a trivia question. Okay. Oh. okay but Would you say? Christmas Carol? A Christmas Carol. Yeah. A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Absolutely. If you take out the whole Shakespeare, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's, it's Christmas yeah. Carol. I mean, I think it's like something like 41 productions just last year. Something about. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give you a quiz on, on a, Christmas. a Christmas Carol. Okay. okay. And now it's a multiple choice. Okay. okay. Oh, I was born for this. For the most part. There's a couple questions that aren't multiple choice. I played young dick in high school. I'm wearing tweed okay. right now. Yes, <laughs> I know. Exactly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so... If it's a multiple choice, please do me a favor and and and, and everybody else a favor and wait until I, I read the four okay. options that you have. If you know the answer, say mistletoe. Okay. 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 I'm ripping that off from Four Christmases, which is a movie I love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and okay. So are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is not a multiple choice, but a Christmas Carol was written by mistletoe. mistletoe. Okay, Rock. first. Charles Dickens. Okay, yes. One point. Probably <laughs> his best known work. Okay. I have my seating chart over here, and that's where I'm going to score you. All right. Okay. Score All right. where you sit. This is a multiple choice. Okay. How many ghosts come and visit Ebenezer's Mr. Mistletoe. Okay. It's a multiple choice. Okay. Let's look. Is it four, two, three, or one? Mistletoe. Okay. It's four. It's four. Ah. Yeah, I gotta count Marley. Exactly. Gotta count Marley. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would agree. And we just watched it the other night and I was like, oh my god, there are four ghosts. I guess, I guess, I guess it's five in the Muppets Christmas Carol, right? Because yeah. Marley's the, 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 the two, two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. Look at you. Oh, wow, you extra points. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so 
This is a, a multiple choice. Okay. How long ago did Marley die before that faithful night of the visits? Is it five years ago that night, seven years ago that night, ten years ago that night, or he was still alive? Mistletoe. I'm just going to say ten. I don't know. Yeah, you <laughs> are wrong. I'm sorry. Five, seven, or he's still alive. Those are the three that are left. Mistletoe. I think it's five. Mistletoe oh. seven. It's mistletoe seven. Who deduced? I was like, it's probably in the same decade. Yeah, right? That's a good code. What is mistletoe it? seven? Mistletoe oh, wow. seven. <laughs> he wore lots of chains, if, if you recall. Yeah. Very fashionable. All right. Okay, here is a multiple choice. <coughs> there was a girl that Sco- Scrooge once loved in his youth. Mm. What was her name? Is it Brenda Cratchit? Beatrice or Belle? Mistletoe. Belle. Oh, Mistletoe. Ah, ah. I think it was the third one. Brenda, Cratchit, Beatrice, or Belle? Beatrice. The third one was Beatrice. That is incorrect. Mistletoe. Belle. Okay. Ah, All righty. Yeah. Okay. Right on. All righty. Here's another uh, multiple choice. Uh, Scrooge has a nephew that he ignores until the end. What is his name? Is it... Barney, Bob, George, or Fred? Mistletoe. Isn't it Bob? Bob and Fred? No. Mistletoe. Fred. It is Fred. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah team. Oh, man. That's so bad. I'm just going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, another multiple choice. This one's really, really easy, but so please okay. wait for the... Oh, my goodness. Who declares God bless us everyone? The ghost of Christmas present... Tiny Tom, Tiny Tim, or the Ghost of Christmas Past. Mr. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just give us all a point yeah. for that one. All right, I'll give you all a point. God yeah. bless Thank us, you, right? Tiny, Tiny Tim. Tom. <laughs> Stop, right? Yeah. God bless us, everyone. Connor, you got a point. Yes! yes. 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 All right. Pity points, I love them. <laughs> it's his famous night. Okay, question number seven. Which one of the ghosts was a giant among men? Is it the ghost of Christmas present, ghost of Christmas yet to come, or ghost ghost of Christmas past, or none of the above? Mistletoe. It's present. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's not a pity point. That yeah. is not yeah. a pity point. <laughs> he was always a large man, about eight feet tall. Okay. Yeah. How many? Another multiple choice. How many siblings did the ghost of Christmas present declare he had? About eight hundred, about eighteen hundred, about eighty, or about eight? Mistletoe. About eighteen hundred. Yes, very good. Because it's the number of years. Oh. Oh. <laughs> he had a big yeah, smart. He was a sibling for every year since yeah. Christ was born. Oh. Right? Since Christ. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Christ. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> another multiple choice. Um, which one of these gentlemen never played Scrooge in any version of A Christmas Carol? Oh, okay. Was it Alistair Sim, Albert Finney, James Cagney, or George C. Scott? Mistletoe. Okay. I want you both to say your answers at the same time. James Cagney. Yeah. yeah. Was that who you were going to say? That's what I was thinking, too. Actually. Okay, you both can have a point. Yeah. Just for the record, Albert Finney was in a musical version. Yeah. Uh, George C. Scott uh, did it yeah. in 84, mm-hmm. and Alistair Sim 
uh, was uh, 51. That's actually one that David and I watched the other day on Classic. Movies, yes. Okay, last question. In his youth, this is not multiple choice. In his youth, Scrooge worked for a kind, loving man who was very good to him. His name was... Uh, tip of my tongue. <laughs> it's a strange name. Uh, mistletoe. Was it Fezziwig? Yeah! Oh, oh, nice. Nice. That was a strange name. Now, the tiebreaker, if anybody was tied, but actually, it's not. Rob, Rob, yes, Rob. I just fezziwigged you all. <laughs> the tiebreaker was going to be um, if there was somebody who was a tie, spell it. Oh my god, spell, spell fezziwig? fezziwig? Oh, I got it's F E Z Z I W I G. Yes, yeah. Uh, Too bad there was no time. Uh, I I closed the gap a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Rob, this is for you. In addition to cookies, it's a cereal bar and a uh, one of those eight-layer magic bars. So everybody's gonna get some. Oh my goodness! Oh my god! It's yeah. It's like a cereal (laughs) rice crispy bar. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna wrap it up because you need to wrap it up. Yeah, we go on to your. Uh, rehearsal. So there we go. Um, thank you so much, New York Neo Futurists. Thank you. With thank me, you, you were all out. amazing, and and I do want to come back to discuss this more. So I do want to do a part two. Awesome. Oh. All right. Okay, cool. We could talk about some of the other things too, like beyond us. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I want to get your feelings about just the state of theater yeah, overall. Awesome. So, yeah. There we go. Oh, okay, very good. Now, at the end of each show, I'd like to give shout-outs to current productions worth a recommendation. On tonight's episode, I'd like to recommend a Canadian pr- premiere of a play that premiered in New York last year, Heisenberg, now playing at Canadian Stage in Toronto, Canada. It's written by Simon Stevens, who also wrote The Curious Incident of the Dog in Nighttime. I have a few, few people in my writer's group who were in that show, and so props to them. Um, here's the synopsis. Amidst the bustle of a London train station, Georgie spots Alex, a much older man, and plants a kiss on his neck. This chance encounter propels these two strangers on a fascinating and life-changing course. Now, I very much enjoyed the New York production, which starred Dennis Arndt, who I believe got a Tony nomination, Mm -hmm. and Mary Louise Parker, who I just love in general. Mm -hmm. Um, The biggest reason I'm encouraging folks to see this production is that it stars one of my previous guests, the incredibly talented Carly Street. Now she's interviewed on episode 23. Um, she is a. She was here in New York because she was covering uh, the two ladies who were in Marvin's room, Janine Garofalo and Lily uh-huh. Taylor. So uh, she's she's awesome. She is a premier theater actress in Canada, having given one of the most critically lauded performances in Venus and Furs, winning multiple awards and uh, several encore runs. Uh, she really. She turned that out big time. Um, With the combination of me loving the actual play and knowing Carly is one of the actors, I'm predicting that this show is an absolute slam dunk. So if you're in Canada, please go see it. Um, You can visit uh, www.canadianstage.com for tickets and information. So there you go. Well, folks, the proverbial 11 o'clock number has been sung and the vows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. I'd like to thank my guest, the amazing New York Neo Futures. Thank you guys again. Thank you so so much. So, so awesome. I'm so honored that you're here. Uh, You can find more episodes of Your Program Is Your Ticket at uh, facebook.com backslash Your Program Is Your Ticket. I'm on Twitter at at Program Ticket. 
Uh, the website is yourprogramisyourticket.com. I don't have the Tumblr, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I am on iTunes and site and SoundCloud. Uh, rate me, write me a review, subscribe. Um, you know, all of those things really help my file, so it's great. So there we go. Folks, take a little time to see a show this week, and don't forget to give a smaller show some love. There's a lot of theater gems out there. Until our next show, good night, theater people, and Kirby. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.